Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen. God has just touched my heart today and I, I pray that the word of the Lord that, that I have felt in my spirit, some, sometimes a message comes easy. Every preacher in the house knows that. You just feel a word and it just seems to flow and sometimes you got to do a little more work to kind of flesh out what you feel like the Lord is wanting to speak. Two or three times, my wife asked me yesterday, are you okay? Amen. Are you doing all right? I said, yes, I'm doing all right. It's, it's, it's not happening easy, but the Lord's given me something. And uh, I pray that the Lord will just give us, amen, what he wants to speak into this house. Praise God. I didn't mean to be too honest with you there. Amen. Some of you cooks know sometimes it just comes out. Sometimes it don't. Amen. You got to do a little more work. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. I'm going to ask you to join me there. It will be the only scripture I formerly read, but many other passages I will refer to. But I just want to come against a, a few things today in the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need God's word. And I, I am just, uh, I am stirred. I am stirred when we are living in a society that is trying to devalue and diminish and call to question the validity of the Word of God. Amen. We need some unmovable things in our lives. Rocks that won't be shaken. Foundations that won't be moved. I'm thankful for the Word of God. Amen. Early this morning, before daylight, I was walking up and down the aisles of this church and I just began to think about what I was going to be preaching today. I felt like the Lord gave me and I, I remember times, I know you're standing, I respect that, but I just remember times and seasons in my life, moments whenever I really didn't know what to do. Amen. I didn't know what to do. I didn't really know where to turn, that I would just take this book and just hold it. Because I have value in this book. Amen. Not because it's a certain brand or not because of the binding or not none of the above, but, but what's in it. Amen. I need that word. I need that word. We've been praying for people at times and, and I've just felt impressed to take my Bible and just go lay it on somebody and just this the word. I don't know anything else to do. I have exhausted my vocabulary. I don't know anything else to say myself, but I know one thing, there's something in here <laughs> that'll work. Praise God. Amen. The book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Simon Peter in 2 Peter 2.21 would somewhat add to this by saying holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's how we have a Bible. 
Amen. That's how, that's why we have this word of God because holy men, holy men of God, they spake as they were moved on by the spirit of God, by the Holy Ghost. And this is not the opinions of men. These are not outdated, antiquated uh, anecdotes. These, this is truth, eternal truth right here. Amen. May God bless you. I want to preach about the inspired word today. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. Amen. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit had a significant and supernatural influence on the Bible's authors, the writers. And so I think it is imperative that we understand that we just not simply think that we are reading the musings of Simon Peter or the musings of Timothy, the musings of Paul. James or John or Matthew, and the list could go on and on, Amos and Obadiah. We're not just reading about the whimsical musings of how they felt that day, and this was their inspiration. This is something they thought of while sitting under an oak tree looking at the sunrise. No. They were moved on by the power of the Holy Ghost. Amen. They were inspired. The Bible says, Paul's writings to Timothy by the inspiration of God, by the inspiration of God. The word inspiration in this particular passage of scripture, many of you have heard this before, but that word means God breathed, God breathed. And so this fact guarantees you and I that this word is accurate and it is trustworthy. You can believe what this book says. Amen. It is, it's been tried. It's been proven. Amen. So this fact guarantees that we can count on that. We can hang our coat on this star. Revelation means communicating of truth by God to man. It is that communicating of truth to man by the hand of God. So we have revelation and then we have inspiration. So revelation is the communicating of that truth to man, but inspiration is the recording of that communication in a dependable way, in a trustworthy way. There is a distinct difference between the words revelation and the words inspiration. Our word revelation comes from a, comes from a Latin word that means to uncover or to draw back the curtain are to unveil, it's a revealing. That's what revelation, our word revelation means. It's, it's to uncover something, to unveil, to open the curtain on something. But our word inspiration, as I mentioned a moment ago, comes from a Latin word that means to be breathed into or breathed upon. So if I could give some examples of that this morning, it would be this, by revelation or by the uncovering, Moses wrote the first Five books of the Bible. So we could get a little more specific about that, including, and I'll go back to with Brother Rayleigh this morning. Shame Brother Corrin's not here today, including the book of Genesis, <laughs> chapter one. And I'm sorry if you feel left out of that illustration, but um, including Genesis chapter one. Amen. He wasn't there. Moses wasn't there when God said, Let there be. As a matter of fact, no one was there. Amen. No one else. It was God and God alone when he created the heavens and the earth. 
And so by revelation, by the unfolding, by the pulling the curtain back, by the revealing, God had to put that in the heart of Moses. That is revelation. However, when Moses wrote about the crossing of the Red Sea, Moses could write about that instance by inspiration because he was there when it happened. He was standing right there. Amen. And so when we think about uh, John, when we think about John as he wrote the last book of the Bible, the book by the title Revelation, amen, John wrote that book under the inspiration of Revelation because only God knows the end of the age. And so God had to reveal or uncover, pull back the curtain of that. And so he unveiled that future and John began to write the book of Revelation. However, when John, the same John, wrote about the account of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, he could write about that by inspiration because he was there. By revelation, God made it known to those who wrote the Bible. And by inspiration, it was recorded for us without error and without mistake. And I just want to say that again. Amen. Amen. By revelation, God made known his holy word. And these men moved on by the Holy Ghost. Amen. They began under the inspiration, the God-breathed part, to record this inerrant word of God. I think there's several things to consider when we think about God revealing something to man. David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? I, I don't know about you, but I don't feel worthy for the Lord to reveal anything to me. What is man that thou art mindful of him? So the first thing that kind of blows my mind is that God is willing to communi communicate his truth to us. What is man that thou would be mindful of him? The second part of that equation is that man has the ability to receive it from God. I'm looking at people today. I'm preaching to people right here in this building that have received a word from God. God revealed something to you about himself, about his word. Amen. Man of his own accord. We just could not flesh out that kind of revelation if it were not for the assistance of his spirit and his power. That's why you need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. This is not just so you can speak in tongues. This is not just so you can have a certificate. This is not just something that you, you need to do so you can write down some significant date and time. You need that indwelling spirit that can prompt the revelation of his word. You can't do this on your own. Serving God is not like a diet plan. If you're just disciplined enough, it'll all come out in the end. No, no, no. We've got to have the inspiration, the breathe part of that in our spirit. Amen. We need the power of God. I believe that there are, are many characteristics of revelation. I will just mention a few. I believe that revelation is progressive. Revelation develops along the way. Hebrews 1 and 1, the author of Hebrews, the writer says, God who at sundry times, so at various times, and in divers manners. So he starts out by saying, God who at various times and in different ways spake in times past unto us, unto the fathers, by the prophets. And so God, here a little, there a little. Here God would speak this way to this man. And he would speak that way to that person. Amen. The Bible says at sundry times, various times, and in different manners the Lord spoke. And revelation did not all come at one time because revelation is progressive. 
And so I just want to pause and pass her here for just a moment. And so if you, are, if you are young in the Lord, I want to give you some hope right here. I don't want you to look across the aisle and you see somebody that's 10 years down the road walking and living for God and get frustrated because you're not there yet. Revelation is progressive. Amen. You be bold enough and be confident enough to just say, Lord, I'm willing to grow. You're in an environment. You're in a healthy church. Can I tell you that? You're not in a perfect church, but you're in a healthy church. Amen. You're in a spiritually stable church. I say that with great confidence. I say that with confidence in God. I say that with confidence in our leadership. This is a healthy environment. If you will just sit still and don't get frustrated, realize that revelation, you say, well, I just don't see this yet. That's okay. That's all right. Amen. You just stay steady in the boat. Amen. Because revelation is progressive. It is progressive. And let me say to the church, don't look across the aisle and see somebody you don't think is growing fast enough and take it upon yourself to go help them out. You may kill them. And if you kill them, you're going to have to answer for that in judgment. I said, let me pastor just a moment. Amen. God doesn't need your help. He doesn't need anybody's help. If we'll just create a healthy environment, cultivate this healthy environment. Amen. Let's have good church every time we come together. Not just Sunday first service. Not just Sunday second service. Amen. Not just Wednesday night. No, no. Let's have healthy church every time we come together. Let's come in Sunday morning first service. This is going to be the greatest day. This is going to be the greatest moment. This is going to be the greatest time. Our second service, we've never seen anything like it. God's going to do something phenomenal. He's going to do something supernatural. Amen. I'm not going to miss Wednesday night. You know why? Because God's going to do something incredible. Amen. We don't know who's going to walk in the door. We don't know what God is going to do, but we know God's going to do something. Hallelujah. Amen. So we need to create cultivate and maintain this healthy, balanced environment. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost today. Amen. I feel the Holy Ghost today. So let's consider this. Revelation does not come all at one time. And it doesn't come the same way for the same for everybody. Amen. You may be a long way down the road before you see some things, but just stay on the road and you'll get there. It's going to come in parts and it's going to come through the years. So let me just make a few things for you to consider. I mentioned a few things for, for you to consider. Let's think about the day of Samuel. The Bible says that there was no open vision in that day. The word of God was scarce in that day. We can't even think about that in our mind. We can't wrap our head around that there would be a time where the word of God would be scarce and there was no open vision. And then if we go from Samuel to the New Testament we see as we begin to read John the Baptist, this wild man eating locusts and wild honey. I mean, John the Baptist, I do not believe, had taken a Dale Carnegie course. I don't believe that John the Baptist knew how to win friends and influence people. John the Baptist was a rough cut piece of lumber, friend. Amen. John the Baptist, he, you know... <laughs> John the Baptist, the only tool he owned was a hammer, so everything he saw looked like a nail. Amen. That was John. He just owned a big hammer, so everybody looked like a nail. John the Baptist, I mean, it's turned to burn. It is just no 
<laughs> Amen. You know I'm in the book. Amen. John the Baptist comes out of the wilderness, but he doesn't just come out of the wilderness. If you think about it, he come out of the dark ages, what we may refer to as the dark ages, 400 years of silence between the Old Testament and the New Testament. There had been no prophet or no revelation or limited revelation from God for the span of four centuries. Amen. So this revelation was given in pieces and at different times and in different manners. It was revelation here a little and there a little. But God was putting together a master plan. Amen. Like the Swanee River and other rivers like it. It starts out small in the swamp in the in south in southeast Georgia. Amen. But there's tributaries that begin to connect to it all along the way. Some of them are small and insignificant. Some of you have been on the bank of the Swanee River and you've seen just those little bitty streams of water. You could hardly even measure it. But you just think about that 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Amen. Just little tributaries that are pouring in it. We think what what difference does that make? Oh, I know there's other rivers that flow into it and amen there's the Itstutney and there's the Santa Fe right here in our area amen there's big rivers and tributaries but there's thousands tens of thousands of little tributaries that are flowing in it some above the surface some under the surface hallelujah and so by the time it reaches the Gulf it looks nothing like it looks when it comes out of that swamp and that's how revelation is it's not all given at one time amen but over a long period of time here a little and there a little mm, 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 hallelujah and so why does a preacher say you ought to be in church every time the doors are open here's why because there's going to be a little tributary that runs into your life and every time you walk out of this church house every time you get in your vehicle and drive away your bible under your arm you're not going to be saying wow what a message amen can I be honest you're not going to be saying wow what a song you're not going to be saying wow what a move of God but I'll tell you what you can say I got a little bit more of the word in me I got a little bit more revelation in me I got a little more knowledge in me I got a little more light hallelujah I got a little more light yes I did amen that's why I gotta be here that's why I gotta get here if I'm late I still gotta come why because there's a tributary of truth that's gonna run in my life praise God Amen. Amen. There was progress and there was development. Amen. There was hope. There was these little small tributaries running. Amen. So for the word of God to be taught and for the word of God to be palatable or for the word of God to be digestible, we must consider where a person is in their life or in their walk. For example, the curriculum that we use in our first service we do this for a reason. We do this on purpose. The object of every Sunday's lesson, I'm talking about in our first service, is the same for all ages. We use a curriculum. Amen. It's the same for all ages. So the heart or the core of what Brother Rayleigh spoke about this morning 
in our adult Bible class. What a great job, by the way. Amen. What he spoke about this morning, that same principle, that same core subject was taught in every class in this church. Amen. To every age of this church so that our children could go home and if they've got a question, they can talk to their mom or their dad or their aunt or their uncle or their grandparents and they can talk about the influencers or with the influencers in their life. Amen. About what we've been talking about here today. Why? Because we're not trying to check this service off of our to-do list. We know God is going to do something supernatural when we come. And so we put that, amen, we put that in order, all broken down according to a class and their ability to understand in our children's ministry, in our youth camps, which are in season right now in Ocala. They are all broken down into age brackets. You all, most of you know this, but they're broken down into age brackets on purpose because we've got to reach each group with the truth. Amen. But we've got to do it on their level because there is why? Because revelation is progressive. Amen. It's here a little. It's there a little. Amen. So an eight-year-old can't understand on the same level as an 18-year-old. And so we know that Revelation is here a little. And so what needs to happen is the pastor and the Sunday school teacher, the children's ministry director, and the youth pastors at home, they ought to be teaching, amen, and preaching and, and, and them imparting the word of God and then go somewhere like a children's ministry camp or a youth camp. And they are here the same things echoed. Amen. Words that are in harmony. The spirit of it all in harmony. Revelation here a little and there a little revelation revelation has continuity revelation revelation has a purpose to it and so I want to try to say this and say this carefully but because I want to be succinct but in the simplest most minute self disclosure of God in the Old Testament when you begin to read through the Old Testament the smallest pebble the smallest passage of scripture that is a self-disclosure of God in the Old Testament all of this is leading to an ultimate truth and the revelations of God that are to be found the essence of who we find in the New Testament there's trace elements all throughout the Old Testament amen are you with me now we know that the water when, when the children of Israel cried out and said we need water and the Lord spoke to Moses and said, strike the rock. And so he smote the rock and water. The Bible says the water followed them. Now you just interpret that ever how you want to. But we understand something today because we're standing at a different dispensation. But we know that that water out of that rock, Brother Ray, was Jesus. Amen. <laughs> they cried out, we need something to eat, Lord. We got to have something. And so manna, manna came from heaven. What a dynamic, powerful promise. Amen. You're going to have it six days a week gather what you need on the sixth day get it up for two days and it's going to be there and it'll feed you it'll keep you and we know that manna was Jesus amen manna the Old Testament hallelujah was Jehovah Jireh amen the Lord will provide amen so the Old Testament are small glimpses into what was coming amen it was revelation with purpose and so since Revelation has continuity, that means we can place our finger on Genesis and we can just scroll our finger all through the Old Testament. We can march through that dark 
season of 400 years and we can come all the way to the end of Revelation and there's never an uh-oh. There's never, uh, we better reconsider this. There's never, we ought to take this back to the drawing board. Amen, there's continuity. We can find him. Amen, God. Amen, when God said let there be, it is the same God. Amen, of the New Testament. Praise God. There's not two gods. There's not three gods. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. Amen. And so we look and it is all a self-disclosure of himself. We also know that revelation has oneness. There is one divine mind. One author of the whole Bible. Amen. Of the whole Bible. One divine mind that unites all of it together. There is one cord that binds it all together. The Bible is 66 books. We understand that. But the Bible is just one tremendous story with one great theme. The mind of God is the foundation of the universe and the same mind, the same laws, the same creative handiwork is the foundation of it all. These are not the mixed opinions of men It is God's mind that is reflected because it was His Spirit that breathed. It was His Spirit that inspired. So God's Spirit will reach up. And God's Spirit will reach forward. And God's Spirit will reach toward what He is trying to reveal to us. The Word of God is many things. And there would be no way for me to exhaust all of its majesty. But I do want to mention a few things. The Word of God is pure. You will never hold a more pure book in your hand. The Word of God is pure. It ought to be valued. Amen. We ought not be offended when somebody is introduced to come preach the Word and they say, and now for the most important part of this service. Amen. Ushers ought not be offended. Singers ought not be offended. Musicians ought not be offended. Anybody, service leaders ought not be offended. Anybody that cleaned the church ought not be offended. Amen. Somebody that got here early and turned on the lights or the heat or the air, they shouldn't be offended to say, well, I thought that I was the cog in the wheel. No, no. Amen. The most important thing that's ever going to happen is when something as pure as this holy word is opened up. And I said it a few services ago, but I don't mind repeating one more time it doesn't matter if it's a seasoned veteran that's opening this book or if if it's a young teenage boy or girl that's going to read it with their knees shaking together amen it is pure it is holy it is righteous and it will save us it will save us amen put away your scorecards when the preacher walks to the pulpit amen we're not grading things it's pure Amen. It is it, it, God's revelation, the revelation of God's word through the vessel of man is pure. God used man to write the word. And, but here's what's incredible God used the whole man. That's why the word is pure. God used their personality, <laughs> and God used their character, and God used their mind, and God used their heart. He used the whole man. He used their idiosyncrasies. He used how they put words together. Amen. I'm just feeling like I could preach a while right now. Amen. Don't get weary on me, please. 
God breathed upon man and the Holy Spirit came upon the man and he used the man. But here's something so important for us to understand because I don't want you to just keep your mind about the authors of the Bible. I want you to keep your mind, let a little bit of this lap over into your own heart and your own life. This is so important to understand that in the making of the prophet or in the making of the apostle, God did not unmake the man. Praise God. <laughs> Amen. I am about to explode on the inside. In the making of the prophet, in the making of the apostle, the Lord did not feel compelled to take them behind a curtain and say, we got to undo who you are so I can use you differently. He just said, come as you are. All your strengths, all your weaknesses, all your wins, all your failures, just come as you are. Amen. So Paul was still Paul. And Simon Peter was still Simon Peter. And James was still James. Even though God inspired him to write some of the most marvelous things, can I tell you that at the end of the day, when Isaiah folded up or rolled up the parchment and he put his feather pen back in the, in the holder, can I, can I tell you today that Isaiah was still a man when the angel of the Lord flew down to the altar and got a coal off of that altar and brought it back and touched his lips. When Isaiah said, I'm just a child, I can't do this. And the, and the angel of the Lord said you go get a coal off the altar the Lord said to an angel you go get a coal and touch his lips and say not again that I'm just a child don't ever say that I'm not adequate don't ever say I'm not enough amen I'm going to tell you that even after that holy and that divine experience Isaiah was still Isaiah yes he was my Lord can I tell you can I tell you that the bush that burned unconsumed in the desert when Moses was standing there looking at it and the Lord said, Moses, take your shoes off, sir, because the ground you're standing on is holy. But can I tell you that the bush that was unconsumed at the end of the day, it was still just a bush. Amen. The raven that fed Elijah. Amen. That raven that brought him meat. That raven that said, I'm going to feed you and sustain you. Amen. It wasn't a divine raven. No, no, no. It wasn't some glorified raven. It was just a raven. It was a raven before it started feeding him. And it was a raven after it was all said and done. Because God, in order to make the prophet, in order to make the apostle, did not unmake the man. He did not unmake the man. Praise God. I'm not hollering because I think you're deaf. Amen, it is like fire shut up in my bones. I read a quote last night that brings this, maybe some light on this. The writer said, even God, understand this in context, even God, he said, could not make a Stradivarius violin without Antonio Stradivarius. 
Amen. Not even God. God was going to limit himself. He said, I'm going to give you a personality and I'm going to give you skill. I'm going to be Antonio. Antonio, I'm going to give you ability. I'm going to give you an ear. I'm going to give you an art. I'm going to give you a gift. Amen. But I can't do it. I need you to do it. And can I tell you today that yes, God could show up and he could speak to us. He could speak thundering loud, louder than this PA system. But that's not what he said I'm going to do. He said, I'm going to choose me a man. I'm going to choose me a human being. I'm going to anoint their voice. Hallelujah. I'm not going to have to undo them. I'm not going to have to unwind them. I'm not going to have to rewire them. I'm just going to use them. I'm just going to use them. Amen. And so in truth, God used this man's mind and his personality to perfect this instrument that is worth so much money today. And God uses us as we are. So if I could give you maybe another example or two. If we would consider, I mentioned him a moment ago, but let me go back. Isaiah. Isaiah was, if we're going to kind of put this in shirt sleeve language so we can understand it today. But Isaiah was what we might refer to as a polished preacher. Isaiah's a guy, when he's walking to the pulpit, people are nudging, you want to listen to this now. This guy's good. People drive for miles around because they read Isaiah's preaching. Isaiah was a polished preacher. But if you keep thumbing through, he's what we refer to as one of the major prophets, but you keep thumbing through the Old Testament, you come to some of the minor prophets. I don't think they're major and minor and their level or degree of how God viewed them, but just how we refer to them. Amos, when we get to Amos, Amos probably wasn't as polished as Isaiah. Amen? But God used Isaiah in this princely and poetic fashion because that's what God needed. But then he used Amos, and Amos was probably more of a salt of the earth. Just a man's man. Just a common man. (laughs) And so we think about the Apostle Paul who sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who was educated beyond the telling. And Simon Peter, who was a fisherman. I mean, Simon Peter would just kind of tell you what's on his mind. Straight to the heart of the matter. Paul, he'd probably kind of massage you into it. But God used both of them. Amen. One polished and educated, one rough, rugged, direct. But the same God inspired them both. But he left them just as they were. In truth, things are no different today. It's remarkable how... God so uniquely uses all of us today. Now, I had no idea my brother-in-law was going to be here today, but this is already in my notes and I can prove it. <laughs> I've talked to you about this before. I just felt inspired. I may share a couple things I've already shared before, but I felt inspired last night to talk about this. I've talked about my brother-in-law who was born blind, stone blind. And the evangelist that prayed for him Brother Joe Duke was a blind evangelist. My brother-in-law was healed, as you can see. 
And the evangelist, Brother Duke, lived out the rest of his days and died. He left this world blind. Amen. And so we don't have the answer to that. I don't know if he struggled with that. I, I don't know. In decades past, some preachers couldn't read or write. Or at least they were very limited in their ability to read and write. But God anointed them and used them in a great way. God uses some ministers in their, in their presentation. Because there are people among us, they are wordsmiths. Don't ever doubt it. I mean... There's some people when they walk to the pulpit, you're going to want to listen. You want a pen and paper in hand. They're about to lay something on you. They're wordsmiths. They know how. That is their strength. They're not just wordsmiths. They're not just parrots or puppets in a pulpit. That's how they talk over lunch or at dinner. That's how they talk in a normal conversation. They're wordsmiths. And God uses them. He uses their ability and their ability to present themselves to help present the gospel. So God didn't unmake the man. He just used those gifts. God uses some. Some people through their ability to be humorous. I don't mean to be clowns. But God uses that element of humor. Many of you ladies are familiar with the ministry of Sister Donna Linville. And Sister Donna Linville is... a. She travels the world in the most literal sense, speaking at conferences all around the globe, primarily in ladies' conferences or ladies' sessions. She is powerfully anointed of God, but she is just hilarious. She is just, the, she is just funny by nature. She can just say good morning and just make you smile. There's just something about her demeanor. She is a very funny person. She has had some of the most unusual Things that have happened to her. And so I don't know if I've shared this before, but if, if I have, pardon me, maybe everybody didn't hear it, but I asked my wife this last night. I said, I don't want to tell the same story. She said, well, if, even if you told it, it's, it, tell it again. It's tellable. So last year, Sister Donna Limble contacted my wife and I, and she said, hey, a few people in our church, we're going on a mission trip to Norway, and we would just love it if you and Sister Boy would join us. Well, my wife is not a world traveler, and I'm not far behind her. So I'm thinking immediately, this is getting voted down. I'm not even going to have to deal with this. And my wife says, that sounds awesome. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. And so, and so we batted this back and forth. Several conversations. Days that go by, we talk about it again. So, we, you know, we got, we got to answer her. We got to answer her. Uh, we got to, she's got to know by a certain, certain time. And then one night, it was almost like I had an epiphany. And I looked at my wife and I said, babe, we need to think this through. I said, everything in the world has happened to Sister Limble. I mean, wherever she goes, some of the craziest things happen to her. And she tells all these stories at conferences. These are not stories. These are truths. And I said, do you really want you and I to be a part of a conference story? I vote no. <laughs> I say, 
God bless you, Sister Limple. We love you and appreciate you. But I don't want to be the ending, concluding story of your conference message somewhere in Zimbabwe. I'll just stay home and I'll just laugh about the other people that got arrested. I'll just laugh about all the other things that happened to them along the way. I got to move on. Amen. But the, amen. God uses other people through their, their Bible knowledge. Amen. Some have a deep theological understanding of Scripture. Amen. I'm just going to say amen to that. There's some people, they, the men, they could just see the depths of God's word and God uses that. And they are teachers and professors and, and leaders in some of our colleges and, and our Bible colleges and seminaries. Amen. God uses them there. Maybe they're not worldwide evangelists, but God uses them just like they are because they wouldn't fit in every scenario and God blessed them, but he didn't change them. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't improve our presentation or that we don't polish our grammar. I'm not suggesting those things. If we're doing something wrong, we need to tighten up. I'm not saying that, that, well, here I am, just oh, ignorant me. I'm not saying that. Amen? Could have left that last part out, I guess. But anyway, it's already there. <laughs> already there. I'm going to try to get God to bless some humor right here, maybe. Help us. The Spirit of the Lord used the mind and the personality of people that he breathed on to write his word. And so God used different forms of, of a scholarly expression for revelation. So let's think about this for just a moment. Moses was spared as an infant and placed in an in a, in a ark, if you please, into the Nile River. The miraculous story of Pharaoh's daughter going down at the right time and retrieving that child out and then reconnecting that child with its own birth mother and he is raised in the home of the Pharaoh. Amen. He is trained. Moses is trained as the heir apparent in Egypt. Moses is probably thinking, what in the world am I doing here? Why am I in Pharaoh's house? Why? I'm so thankful that my life was spared, but why am I here? This makes no sense. And then all of a sudden, there's a budding of the heads, and Moses is cast out of Pharaoh's house, and he is sent to a desert, and he is a shepherd for another 40 years. But Revelation is progressive. Amen. Revelation is here a little, and there a little. I need to put you in Pharaoh's house, God. I need to teach you about laws. Amen. I need to teach you to be trained in the law of the land. Amen. This was what helped Moses to be able to write the Mosaic law to give them to the people. But he sent him to the desert to be a shepherd because he said, I don't need you to only know how to be a leader. I need you to know how to be a shepherd. And so 40 years in Pharaoh's house to learn their ways, 40 years to learn the law, 40 years in the desert. But it's not over, Moses. Amen. I know that the wrinkles are getting deeper and the mirror's not lying to you, but God's saying, I'm not finished with you yet because you're going right back to Egypt and you're going to walk right back in that same house you were raised in and you're going to say God sent me here to say let my people go hallelujah and so God used him just as he was oh I know I got to hurry Paul was educated in theology and you can find evidence of that in his epistles oh how poetic he is in the opening of every epistle I mean how would you like to receive a letter like that what a greeting and how calm and kind David was a natural poet and you can see that poetic sense in the Psalms that he wrote Solomon was the wisest man in all the world and you can see his wisdom all throughout the Proverbs that he wrote on and on amen you're going to find that God used people and he used their personality by his own admission a friend of mine, a friend of many of you here who have met him at conferences Brother J.H. Osborne 
He said, I am more of a storyteller than a preacher. That's his own confession. But it's evident in his preaching that can move crowds. Amen. Move them. And so God didn't say, I've got to make you Anthony Mangan. You're going to have to preach like Billy Cole. If I'm on you, you're going to have to be a J.T. Pugh. You're going to have to be a. You're going to have to be an Earl Lee. You're going to have to be this if I'm going to use you. No, Amen. God just anointed a storyteller. Mm. Amen. The Word of God is complete. Now there are degrees, perhaps, if I can say this carefully, but there are degrees of worth in Revelation, but there are not degrees in inspiration. For example, when, when, when we are reading through the book of First and Second Chronicles, I'm going to need you to be honest with me right here. When we're reading through the genealogies of the books of First and Second Chronicles, I don't know about you, but when I'm reading through all those genealogies, trying to pronounce those names, I'm just thinking, what would be wrong with John or Mary or Sally? You know, just kind of get lost in the weeds on some of that. I know some of you are right on the edge of your seat while you're reading all that. This begets. And you get it. You understand it. So you can help all of the rest of us. But I don't get as much out of those passages as I get out of Daniel and the Lion's Den. Three Hebrew children. So there's degrees of worth and revelation, not degrees of inspiration because it's all inspired. But all of it must be taken as accurate to make it complete. Because it's part of God's great purpose. Think, why? Why? It's there for a reason. Amen. We may or may not ever understand it, but it's there for a reason. Amen. I'm thankful that the Word of God has um, this distinct verbal inspiration. Or in other words, and I've used this lately teaching. I've paused in the last couple of services and said the word used in this scripture here, the word such and such, means such right here, such and such right here. Because there's, the Bible is full of verbal inspiration. What I mean by that, one word here may not mean the same thing, same word over here. Amen. Because every song, every melody has got to have notes. And every math equation has got to have, has got to have a figure. And, and you can't have thoughts without words. And the, and the words of the Bible are inspired. And it's based on inspiration from God's words that a preacher in a Bible study can take those words and follow that word by word and explain this is what this word means here. Amen. It's safe for us to trust that God moved on men to choose that exact word that was needed in that instance. Amen. Jesus said, not one jot or tittle will be taken from the law until it's fulfilled. Not one jot. The word jot there is the smallest letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Not one tittle. That means not one point. Not the smallest letter in the alphabet is going to be removed or is going to be taken or not one, the smallest point, not one begat is going to be removed. Amen. The inspired word. I'm going to ask our musicians to come if you will, please. My last point is that the word of God is supernatural. The word of God is beyond what any man could write. And this word has a supernatural effect on people who read it. So I want you to say with me here. The word. Not the presenter. Not the wordsmith. Not the humorist. Not the theologian. Are you with me now? The word. 
the word is supernatural. Thank God for anointed vessels. Helps us understand the word, certain personalities. I understand we can get sometimes more out of some speakers than others, like we can more out of some authors than others when we're reading. But the word is supernatural, and this is what we should not discount. And this word has and has the ability to have a supernatural effect on those who read it. I read a story about a, a, a pastor many, many years ago, perhaps even decades ago, that had a, a Spanish family that started attending their church. And um, they could speak little English, most of them could speak no English, some could speak broken English. One of the men in their church, one of the leaders in their church, had somehow, through time, inherited a Spanish Bible. Well, he couldn't read Spanish and didn't understand Spanish, but because it was a Bible, he didn't want to just throw it away. He felt like there was too much value in that, and so he couldn't, he couldn't bring himself to throw it away and so when this Spanish family started attending their church, he, he decided, I'll give this family this Bible. And so he gave the father of the family that Bible and then forgot about it. And after a period of time, there was a knock at his door. And when he went to the door, the father of this Spanish family stood holding that Bible, speaking in what little bit of English he could speak in. And he conveyed to him that he and his family had been reading God's word and they found in that word where they should be baptized. And they wanted to know, can we be baptized? You know why? Where the Pope, there wasn't a preacher, wasn't an evangelist. <laughs> Ooh, wasn't camp meeting time. Nobody playing softly in the background. Just a man that said, here, you can probably use this. And that word was supernatural. That man in that church contacted their pastor. And of course, that pastor baptized he and his whole family. That knowledge came from a book that was divinely inspired, a supernatural book. God's word is miraculous. It is supernatural. Not only in the writing of it, not only in the revelation of its content, but it affects people's lives. It affects our homes. It affects our families. I believe the word of God affects civilization at large. And I'm not on the soapbox, but I, I would be remiss if I didn't say that. That's why the devil is working so hard to get the Bible out of your home and out of our schools and out of our public settings. That's why we got to do away with prayer. That's why we got to do away with the Ten Commandments. Why? Not because it's words chipped on a piece of marble. Not because it's a book in a leather binding. No, because hell understands the power of this book amen I'll ask you to stand that's why that's why we need your help we got to keep holding this book up amen I'm going to say this not because I'm the preacher today but don't ever let a preacher struggle in a pulpit Man, don't ever let a preacher struggle in a pulpit. You make it a personal, a personal challenge that I'm going to connect. Because sometimes hell tries to disrupt the atmosphere between here and there. Amen.
Amen. A few nights ago, I, a few nights ago, I was privileged to be a part of a very special service in Miami, and it was a very long service. A lot of moving parts. There was nothing, not one thing that happened in that service that wasn't absolutely necessary. So I'm not being unkind, but it was a very long service. And so a lot of things had taken place. Now I'm just going to be honest with you, if this won't throw you too much, but I'm sitting there on the front row thinking, i got to follow all this. In a minute, I know what's about to happen. I've got the service schedule in my hand. And at 10 minutes to 10 that Friday night, they turned that service over to me. Amen. And I'm going to tell you what happened. The pastor and the leaders of that church were sitting right down front. And they knew, Brother Herndon, the position I'm in. They knew. People are weary. I don't care what you got to say, it's 10 to 10. <laughs> you hadn't even opened the book yet, but we ain't far from midnight. And when I opened that Bible and began to preach, I know they did this on purpose. I'm not the brightest bulb, but I'm not ignorant. Those men leaned in. Are you hearing me? Amen. When I started preaching, they were saying, yes. Amen. And I knew what they were doing. They were locking on. They were locking on and they were locking in. And I want to tell you, not because I'm me, I'm just telling you that God did give me a word for that service. And I felt the pressure of that time clock, but I knew God had given me a word for that service. And I thought, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But the Lord was saying, I'll show you. Because I got somebody who's not going to leave you out there by yourself. Because you know why? They realize what we've done up to now was important. But the most important thing that's happening right now, somebody's got the book open. <laughs> Don't let a preacher struggle in a pulpit. Why? Because this word needs to make its way all the way to a lost heart. It needs to make its way to a backslider. It needs to make its way to somebody that said, I'm tired of the life I'm living. I gotta go back. Amen, I'm gonna tell you something this morning. It's 1220 right now, but I don't think we're worried about that. I think we're saying this is an inspired word. This is an inspired word. And this word has still got time to work today. There's still time for you to be baptized. There's still time for you to get the Holy Ghost this morning there's still time for you to get healed why not because I'm the preacher amen not because that's the piano player and the singer but because God's word is breathed on oh it's breathed on it's breathed on it's breathed on <laughs> why don't we respond to the word right now Jesus have your way Jesus do your thing right now Oh, Jesus, do your thing right now. Walk among us. Heal the hurting. Give direction to the lost. Give hope to the hopeless. Give the Holy Ghost to those that are hungry. Oh, hallelujah.
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.